Well, um, I, I'm, uh, I'm kind of, uh, I was kind of anxious to get to this, this lesson this morning because this is kind of a personal, uh, has a, a personal application to me, and uh, we'll get to that later, um, and I'll tell you why, show you why, but um, I want to, before we get into that, I would just want to, again, this is our last week of evangelism, so I want to march through what we've already covered because I think it's always important for us to just remember where we've been and why, and then, and then we'll get into today's. So week one, we walked through from Genesis to Revelation, and we showed that in history, God is saving people for his glory. So important because everything that we talk about really stems from that. And even as we go into missions, you're going to see that, that theme over and over and over and over and over. So that was week one. Week two, we, we discussed how God's sovereignty and man's responsibility fit together in evangelism. And, and, and you should have no questions about that now. Uh, we all have questions about that still. It's just a tough thing to wrap our minds around, but both are true. And uh, week three, we had Rick Gertz in here. Week four, we looked at what is the gospel? What is it? Because when we talk generally about the gospel, we need to make sure we're we all define it the right way. And we saw that how the Bible defined it, and that's how we should define it. That is that Jesus came and he died on the cross for sinners. He rose from the dead and now he calls all people to repent and to believe in him. Week five, we discussed how to share our personal testimony in a way that, that proclaims the gospel and calls people to see Jesus and how he's transformed our lives. And then I asked you to write out your personal testimonies in a way that not only gives your story, but also explains the gospel. I hope you did that exercise because there will be a time if you're, if you're continually praying about sharing the gospel and, and the Lord bringing opportunities to you, there will be a time when you will be able to, to use that. And, and so if you tailor your... Uh, um, your personal testimony in a way that that actually gets to the gospel, then that's what you're doing is you're, you're, you're evangelizing. Week six, Aaron walked you through Paul's testimony before Agrippa, Agrippa in his defense. He actually gave his testimony that actually explained the gospel. And so it was a good example for us to see. Uh, week seven, we looked at fighting fear of man and rejection. I tried to give you some encouragements that would, would help you so that you don't fear um, sharing the gospel with someone and that you wouldn't let fear stop you from actually going there with someone. Week eight, we received the essential, we reviewed the essential components of the gospel again because we want to be clear about the gospel and, and most importantly, not water it down. We want to be sure we present Christ 
as a person and not a plan. Very important. We, we want to proclaim Christ, not the plan. And so we, we need to do that. And we haven't really talked about this in detail yet. But you know, there are specific ways the local church, this local church, Countryside Bible Church, can picture and proclaim the gospel to all who are, are present, like in our services. Now, I believe the main reason for the church, that the church gathers is to equip believers. Ephesians 4, 12 through 16 says that it's for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up the, of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from, the whole, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So we, the main purpose that we gather is to equip so that we can go out into the world and, and share Christ with others. But I also believe that when the church gathers together, unbelievers should be able to hear the gospel proclaimed. They should be able to hear it prayed. They should be able to hear it sung. And they should be able to see it displayed and lived out in our lives, even here in a corporate gathering at church. Remember what Jesus said in John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The world's watching us. It is, even, even during our worship services, we have unbelievers that come in and out. We don't know the state of everybody even in our church. We might think so. So the world is watching us. So by loving and serving each other, we show that Jesus is who he says he is to the world. And the world generally says that we Christians are, a lot, are, are kind of hypocritical and unlike Christ. So we have the opportunity to to, to show the world to people that come into our church and even over live stream what happens, who knows who's, who's tuning into us. That's another subject. We could spend an entire class on what it really looks like to mold, to, 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 be, to model Christ um, and proclaim the gospel even in our worship service. And I think we try to do that as much as we can. And we should always strive and make sure that's an important part of, of our gathering together. Well, that brings us to week nine, which is our last weekend in the evangelism class. And, uh, and again, we'll move into missions next week. And uh, we'll kind of shift gears a little bit. I've, got, I've already given you a way of using your person, personal testimony of how God saved you and that, that's kind of been presented as a tool 
a tool for the gospel. So today I want to give you another tool. It's just a tool. It's a way of presenting the gospel in 30 seconds. Uh, kind of opposite of everything I've been telling you, right? <laughs> so, but hear me out. Uh, presenting the gospel in 30 seconds is simply, it really, it's just taking every opportunity in evangelism. And uh, so, so opportunities come up all the time if we're looking for them. And it, this is just a way of, of, of to, to evangelize in a, in a quick way. I don't recommend a 30-second approach to the gospel. Um, I, I don't think that should be your main way of presenting the gospel to someone. But you may not always have the opportunity to do it, do it in the way we've already been talking. So you may only have minutes or even seconds. Like this is kind of the scenario of you know the plane going down, and what do you say to the person sitting next to you when you're all gonna you're all gonna die? And uh, so you may not have very much time. And so this is that scenario. So what do we know? We know that the Great Commission calls us to make disciples. Therefore, we, need, we know it's extremely important that every believer is able to present the gospel clearly and concisely. And that's what we've been talking about and trying to show you how to do that and what's necessary. Hopefully, we've all been praying about open doors and for boldness to present the gospel. Truth, uh, you know, we've been doing this and I've been asking you to, be, to do this for the last nine weeks. So we have to be ready to take advantage of, of all of the opportunities that God, God gives us. And when they, those opportunities arise, even the quick ones, we need to be ready. I suppose I'm overly passionate about this one, <laughs> this particular lesson, because I can't get my, my friend Tom's question out of, the, out of my mind. And that's kind of what led to this, putting this together. Um, the question was, how would you explain to someone how to be a Christian if you knew you had only 30 seconds? I'll never forget it because it, was, it, it wasn't just a question to ponder. It was a real question in a real place involving real people. And here's the, here's the real, real life scenario that happened. We're in London, England with our new friend Tom. He's the pastor of a small church in the, the older downtown area of London. And he was one of the missionaries that we supported at... Uh, in Kansas City, and he uh, uh, he went there to plant a church, and uh, they ended up getting a really cool, old, old, old historical type uh, church there, uh, and uh, and so that's what they were doing. And we were going to see this for the first time. Our group is Tom, the pastor, Rick, and Kim Holland. Steve and Debbie Schulte, who were friends of ours from Kansas City, and Kathy and me. And Tom is taking us to see his church, so we need to ride the tube. And the tube is, is England's um, subway system. They call it the tube. And uh, so um, we have to take the tube to get there. 
And we're standing on the platform waiting, waiting, and we hear the announcement, mind the gap, mind the gap. And that's their way of saying it's the, 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 the subway, the tube is coming, and there's a space between the platform and the, the car. And when you step in, mind the gap. You know, don't, don't step, step over the gap. So the tube arrives. We quickly make our way on. A few of us sit while the others are standing, Tom being one of the, Tom the pastor being one of the ones who's standing. Rick Holland, most of you know Rick Holland, pastor at Mission Road Bible Church. He's sitting on the first seat beside the doors. Strangers are sitting beside him, but kind of over his right shoulder. And before the doors shut, Tom looks over to Rick and he asks this question. How would you explain to someone how to be a Christian if you knew you only had 30 seconds? The door shuts, the tube takes off. And Rick, he sits there and he ponders it and he thinks about it for a bit. Then he starts by asking Tom questions that would qualify the reason for asking the question. Tom tried to answer as generically as possible, trying to get him to answer quickly. Just as Rick starts to say, well, I think the first thing I would say, the tube stops. The person sitting to the right, just over his shoulder, who was listening to the entire conversation, gets off. So, people get on, somebody sits in the same place, and Tom says the same thing. But he says, Tom, Rick, how would you um, explain to someone how to be a Christian if you knew you only had a minute and 20 seconds? Tube takes off. Same thing happens. And so Rick's, you know, trying to get philosophical here and just trying to do all this stuff. And the person gets up, walks off. Well, by this time, Kathy and I Steve and Debbie, Kim, and Rick realized what, what, what was going on. And so he had about two minutes the next stop, and he was able to do this. You see, Tom knew exactly how much time he had between stops to share the gospel. Rick didn't know it at the time. Uh, Tom was only asking so that the person beside him, over his right shoulder, would hear the gospel being, and the, the, the seed of the gospel would be planted. The whole thing lasted 30 seconds. So that's what led to, to, to where we're going today. Um, four basic facts of the gospel. If you know you only have 30 seconds to tell someone how to be saved, then you have to bring the gospel down to the most basic facts. To be saved, a person must know and believe four basic facts. All have sinned. All people are sinful. There's a penalty for sin. That's death. And Christ paid the penalty and believe Christ and be forgiven. Remember, the goal presenting, in presenting the gospel isn't to impress people with how great a Bible scholar you are. The goal isn't to wow them about all the verses you've memorized. 
The goal is to help them understand clearly what God says about their condition and his salvation. So number one, all have sinned. The fact is that man is a sinner. What does Romans 3.10 say? Anybody know? Romans 3.10. We'll get to that one. There is none righteous. None. Not even one. Then Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. These verses are inclusive. God says there's no righteous people. Everyone has sinned. Sin can be an act of rebellion against that, the standard that God has made. Or it can be a passive failure to meet the standard that God requires. Many people believe that since they've not committed some kind of a terrible act, uh, they're really not that bad. However, the real question is, have you been perfect every day of your life? And no one can answer that is yes. Because God's standard is perfection. You're a sinner because sin is a failure to do good and you haven't done good in every situation. All have sinned, number one. Number two, there's a penalty for sin. The second fact is more difficult. It's easier to get a person to admit he or she is a sinner than than it is to talk about the penalty for that sin. After all, nobody's perfect, right? And so um, it's kind of easy to to kind of push that off. There's a penalty for sin, and this is, a hard, this is hard for people to accept. But God is holy, and he's just, and, because, and therefore he must punish sin. Somebody look up Romans 5.12 and read that. Romans 5.12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon man, for all have sinned. Yeah, the Bible says that death is the result of sin. One man, Adam, sinned. That act brought sin into the world, and with sin came death. Romans 3, 20, or 6, 23. The wages of sin is death. Yes. But the gift of God is eternal life. But the wages of sin is still death. It's important to bring a person to an understanding that each person is a sinner. All under the same condemnation and the same penalty. So the penalty for sin is death. Now there's three, three kinds of death. There's physical death. That's the separation of a person from his body. James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. When your spirit leaves your body, you're physically dead. You don't cease to exist as a person, but you've been separated as a person from your body. So the key idea of death here is separation. So there's physical death, there's spiritual death, and that's the separation of a person from God. Somebody look up Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 and read that. Spiritual death, the separation of a person from God. 
Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of, our, of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of man, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Yeah, isn't that great that you start reading all of that and what you were, and then you see, but God. But God, I love that. Uh, Paul says that as unbelievers, we were dead. All unbelievers, all unbelievers were dead in our transgressions and sin, or trespasses and sins. Not physically dead, but we were dead nonetheless. We were separated from God by sin. That's what we call spiritual death. That's part of the penalty for sin. Then there's the, the second death or the eternal death, the separation of a person from God for all eternity. <coughs> Revelation 20.10 says, The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are also and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The second death involves eternal torment. Revelation 20, 14 goes on to say, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. In other words, all the residents of Hades present at the this particular judgment will be cast into hell. It's a place where torment goes on day and night, every moment of every day, every moment of every night, through all eternity, forever and ever and ever. It's a state of separation from God in total agony and suffering. All three of these types of death, physical, spiritual, and eternal, are included when the Bible says the penalty for sin is death. The unbeliever must be brought to a point that they realize that God is not only a God of love, he's a God of justice. If God doesn't always do the right thing, in other words, if he's not just, then God isn't the kind of God that people really need. Number three, Christ paid the penalty. If this were the end, it would be a hopeless situation. We're all sinners, and the penalty for sin is physical, spiritual, and eternal death. So how does a person deal with the sin problem and not sacrifice the justice of God? And the solution, as we've been talking about for the last nine weeks, is Christ. Jesus Christ came and paid the penalty for our sin. Somebody tell me what Romans 5, 8 says. Come on. Some of you Awana people should know this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right. God's solution was to provide someone who could pay the penalty for sin. We can't, we can't die to pay someone else's penalty. We have to pay... We have our own penalty we have that has to be paid for. God sent his son to earth to be born as a human, to die on a cross 
so that he could take our place and pay the penalty for sin. On the cross, Jesus Christ died physically. That's obvious. But he also died spiritually. Matthew 27, 46. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he wasn't only man, but God, he could suffer to an infinite degree during that time of death on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. He suffered the agony of hell. That's God's solution. To have his son pay the penalty for our sin. And that's why Romans 5, 8 says God demonstrates his own love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that brings us to number four. Believe Christ and be forgiven. There's one more thing that must be understood if a person is to obtain forgiveness. Faith faith is the way that Christ's payment is credited to each person's account. One more set of verses, Romans 10, starting with verse 9. Romans 10, 9. Just verse 9 says... When somebody gets there, go ahead and read. Right, right. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. God wants each person to believe that Jesus is Lord and that he died and he rose again for him. We've talked about this, but believing Jesus as Lord has the idea of turning from being a slave to sin to being a slave to Christ. It involves repentance. And if we keep reading verses 10 through 13, we see why. Somebody have that? Verses 10 through 13. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, for all the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who can call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, and these verses, God offers forgiveness to, to those who believe Jesus is Lord, that He died and that He rose again. So, go back to the question, how would you explain to someone how to be a Christian If you knew you only had 30 seconds. If you knew you had only 30 seconds to tell someone how to be saved, what would you say? In 30 seconds, what would you say? Well, here's what I would say. You can time me and see how how close I get, all right? I would say the Bible says you're a sinner under condemnation for your sin, just like I am. But God in His love had his son Jesus die to pay the penalty for our sin. And now he offers you the free gift of forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to merit it. There's no special handshake. There's no hope for you, or for me for that matter, to pay that penalty. The good news is that the Bible also says that Jesus Christ, God's son, paid the penalty for you. God said if you'll believe in the payment he made on your behalf and trust him as Lord, he'll cleanse you and he'll forgive you. So would you be willing to believe that Christ died for you personally? 
I didn't do it in 30 seconds. That was 37 seconds. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what would you say? Uh, okay, the gospel in 37 seconds. All right, there you go. Listen, this is what's called the Romans Road. We're using the book of Romans to, to show someone how th- their need for Christ. Okay, um, so here's a re- let's review it again. The gospel in 30 seconds, and I'm going to give you all these verses so you can write them down. Hopefully you've already written the verses 1 through 4. All have sinned, Romans 3.10 and 3.23. There's none righteous, not even one. That's Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Number two, there's a penalty for sin, and that's death. Romans 5.12 and Romans 6.23 Therefore, just as one man, sin entered into the world and death through sin, so that death spread to all men because all have sinned. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Number three, Christ paid the penalty. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. Good news. Number four, believe Christ and be forgiven. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. So... uh, I want to just give you a, a simple little technique here. How do you remember all these verses and information when you're talking to someone? Well, you could probably come and help in Awana. This is the plug for Ben. You could help in Awana and you'd, get, you'd, you'd learn these verses. Um, um, but here's the thing. If you know these four points, right? What's point number one? All of sin, point number two, penalty for sin, First number, or point number three, Christ paid the penalty, and verse number four, or I mean, I mean point, yeah, believe in Christ and be forgiven. Okay, if you, if you can just remember those four points, then you, then you don't really have to have everything memorized. Here's the technique. Always have a Bible with you. If you go out someplace, it can be a little small New Testament even. Um, always have a Bible with you or, or have a Bible app on your phone and always have it with you, okay? It, it can be, again, it can be a small pocket Bible. It can be a small New Testament. It can be an electronic Bible, an iPhone or an Android, but have one with you at all times, Just think about that alone first, okay? On the inside back cover or blank page, write the four points with their accompanying verses, okay? Write it on the back cover of your Bible or or maybe on your Bible, if you can, on your phone. Um, And under point one, under point number one, the first supporting verse is 
Romans 3.10. So turn to that verse. Romans 3.10. And after that verse, either right after that verse or in the margin, write 3.23. And that's going to take you to, to the next verse that you need to share. And that's, that's the next verse in sequence. Then, at Romans 3.23, write 5.12. That's the next verse. Um, and that, that ends up being the first point under number two, under the second point. And you do this with all the verses. Right after that verse, you put the other verse. And then you have it. And then you, you, you can just sit there and talk to someone about it and you can flip all the way through. And you don't even have to, I, I'm not telling you not to memorize scripture, but, but in the moment, you have it there if you, if you haven't memorized it. You do this with all the verses. If you have an electronic Bible, you just bookmark each one. And then you're following the Romans road. You go from one verse in Romans to the next. As long as you find Romans 3.10, you can find the rest of the passages by following the signpost references that you've written in the, in the margin. All you have to remember is the starting point, which is Romans 3.10. But again, if you have your Bible and you've written them all out in the back of it on, a, on that little blank sheet there, then you have it. You have the gospel. And... Uh, um, the next thing you do, after you do all of that, the next thing you do is practice, practice, practice until it becomes second nature. Practice it every day. Go to your bedroom, go to your garage, go to your basement, go to your uh, machine shed, close the door, sit down in a chair, enter into a conversation with an imaginary friend. Make sure the only, you're the only person in the room, though, because that would be weird. Um, um, so, but, but you just enter into that conversation. You know, it's good to meet you. You got a family. How many kids do you have? That's really interesting. Uh, do, do, do you enjoy your job? After a few minutes of generally chit-chatting with your imaginary friend, you say, do you go to church? Are you a religious person? Then practice this with your imaginary friend. Do you know Jesus Christ came, took my place, died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sin. No one else has loved me enough to die for me. Did you know that he did the same for you? But the story's not over. Knowing all of that, you can still die and go to hell. You know why? And then be prepared. Be prepared because God is going to give you opportunities to share the gospel. The question is, are you prepared? Re- remember that evangelism, we've discussed this for the last nine, minute, nine weeks. Evangelism isn't an option. I think if we're prepared to take advantage of the situations that God gives us, we'd be amazed at the open doors all around us and, the, and then we'd see them and be ready. The Apostle Paul was effective. He prayed for open doors. He prayed for boldness. But the important thing was he was ready when the opportunity came. Let's get ourselves ready. Let's ask the Lord to give us more than just, you know, the empty imaginary friend to talk to. Um, But 
I wanted to just give you that as our last thing in, in uh, evangelism because, because this, is, this is just an easy way of doing it. Again, 30 seconds isn't, 37 seconds isn't, uh, isn't your best um, evangelism pitch. But the best thing you can do is, if you can't do anything else, is plant the seed so that people hear it. Um, people need the Lord. They're all around us. And, and continue to pray for those opportunities. I'm, the, the whole purpose of this last nine weeks was to try to get you more motivated to, to talk about the Lord with people, not just everything else. But to also look for opportunities to do that. And so I think they're there if you let yourself be open to that possibility. Any questions? I'm actually going to get you out early. Yes? Not necessarily a question. Uh, well, it is. Uh, in this Romans road, is there one element that perhaps is missing, and that is that Jesus Christ rose again from the dead? Uh, I mean, the fact that he died is very important, but most important is the fact that he rose again. Yeah. Yeah, the, again, the implication is that he's alive today, so that that would be there, you know, in that implication. But again, this is not the the way that, that I would suggest you do that. Um, and uh, I think that you're right. I mean, he died, but all that's for naught if he didn't rise again. So the implication, though, when you're going on is that Jesus did rise, and, uh, and you could actually say that in that presentation. Um, that would be coming out as personal testimony of what you know. Yep. Uh, yep. So the Roman road would not necessarily cover that. Right. The Romans road is really just a seed planter. Yes. And, uh, Romans uh, 10 9 it can say that if you believe in your heart that he rose from the dead. There you go. There you go. It is there. It is there. Yeah. But again, it's a seed planter. Um, I mean, you're hoping for an opportunity to talk to them again or that they would ask questions and that you'd only, you don't have, that you're not in a scenario where the plane's going down or you're on the tube and you'll never see this person again. And so at least if they can hear, maybe they'll ask somebody else in the future. God could use that to ask, ask the question. Yeah, I was just going to encouraged with what you just said that scripture is is refute with hearing you know faith comes by hearing that not of themselves how will they hear if no one preaches how will you know there's almost every every one of the synoptic gospels is that um, and then even in many epistles so I think a good um, encouragement from that is I don't need to be prepared for every contingency, every question, every review. Just got they got they gotta hear it. And I think that's the seed. That's the essence of the seed that you talk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 
the reality is there's probably no one in this room that's going to be, be able to successfully navigate any all um, hard questions that come at us when you start sharing Christ. That's not required. What's required is that we share Christ. Uh, you don't have to have all the answers. We talked about that in one of the lessons early on, is that you don't have to. And, um, and that's where that fighting fear and rejection of man comes into play. It's okay to say, you know, I don't have all those answers. I know what the Bible says. And, and that's why it's always good to be able to either have a Bible with you. You know, I have a Bible in my glove box in the, in the uh, car, you know, and there's, there's just different places that I have Bibles. Um, and, and I have a Bible app on my phone. And so it's just, it's just good to have a Bible with you that you can refer to because it's not about you then. It's not like, what, well, this is what I think. This is what the Bible says. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't have to explain it all. I can tell you what it is. Um, and we've talked about how to explain it a little bit, but you're, we're never going to be able to answer everybody's objections. And we're not called to do that. We're called to share Christ. And, and pray that God would use that. And, you know, I have seen in, in my time as being a believer in, in church, uh, people pray for a certain person for many decades and think this person would never come to Christ only to find out that they came to Christ. And uh, so it wasn't because of decades of somebody always sharing the gospel with them. It's because in God's timing, this happened. And, uh, but the seed was there all along, and it was just being, you know, it just needed nurtured. Yes. Can I give an example? Yes. There was a lady that came into the nursing home where I work. And at that time, one of my jobs was to do an initial interview with their interests and dislikes. When I mentioned about, there was a question about um, going to church. And she says, well, I don't believe that stuff. I believe that there's several ways to God and any way works. And I said, well, my Bible says there's one way and that's Jesus. And then we left it at that. And, you know, she would come to different activities. And then finally one week, she says, can I come to your Bible study? I said, sure. And she started coming to the Bible study. And we happened to um, hit that scripture in John. John 14, 6. I am the only the way, the way through the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And she still kept saying, well, I, I still think there's other ways. Well... Months, couple months passed a while, and she came to me one day and she says, Deb, I've been reading that Bible you gave me. You're right. <laughs> and it was just a few months later she passed away. Mm. Yeah. It works. It does. All right. All right, let me pray and we'll, we'll be dismissed. Father, I pray that God would give us many open doors and much boldness so that many might have the joy and privilege of hearing about your son, Jesus. 
Pray that you would use us to spread the gospel news so that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, people would be saved, bringing glory to your holy name. It wouldn't be about us. It wouldn't be about a plan. It would be about Christ. In whose name I pray, amen.